Hey, good afternoon, Facebook, YouTube. Oh, we have a very interesting show this afternoon. Um, we have two young ladies that um, one I've known for a while, one I've just met, and um, Sharon I will say is the chef. She uh, got uh, some educators together, and they uh collaborated to write a book called In the Trenches, Stories from the Heart of Early Childhood Professionals. So uh, Sharon and Shani has uh, allowed themselves to come on the show this afternoon, and I appreciate them because it is Labor Day weekend, and a lot of us like to party. Labor Day weekend, we ain't got to work. So Sharon, I'll start, yeah. off with you. I'll start off with you, if you don't mind. Um, okay. Tell us a little bit about yourself and you know your educational background and you know, what you're doing, what you got going on, and so forth and so on. Okay. Well, thank you. Um, I Let's see. I am originally from Philadelphia, and I moved to Atlanta um, to attend Spelman College. And so once I graduated, I decided to stay. So I earned my bachelor's degree in child development, started out in the uh, birth to five arena. So I worked at child development center for years. And even though I've moved along the ranks as far as positions are concerned, I've stayed in the field. So I have over 32 years in the field now of early uh, care and education. And I've been a teacher in the classroom. I've been an administrator running programs um, in, in the leadership role. And I have finally landed where for the past, I guess maybe I don't know, almost 20 years now, I've been doing training and consulting and technical assistance for programs. And so now I'm working with the adults who work with the children. So um, I get to reach a lot more children that way. And so my whole life mission is to improve the quality of care of children and families in the state of Georgia and abroad. So I get to do that um, um, on a larger scale now than I used to just being in the classroom. Great, great. Uh, Mrs. Roundtree. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, tell, tell the audience about, about you, where you're from. Okay, you know? so I am from New Jersey, from Union, New Jersey. Um, uh, I came to Atlanta to attend Clark Atlanta University. Um, initially, I came to Atlanta. I did a summer program in Spelman, but I fell in love with Atlanta and just knew I had to get back to Atlanta. Just the opportunities that were here, the things that they were doing for black people, uh, just, it, it was just destined that I had to get back here. Um, so I went to Clark Atlanta and my degree is in psychology. Uh, I attended, uh, did it in three years. Uh, it was a goal I kind of set for myself that, hey, let me see if I can finish in three. And, I mapped out a plan and decided that, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And went to school. When I would go home for the summertime, I would go to Kane and take summer classes. So, yes. Wow. So, so Shani, you were, you were telling me before Sharon joined us how this uh, young lady shifted you towards education. Yes. And it's funny because I didn't realize it until we actually sat down and started writing the book. And I was actually having to kind of go back through my mind, a mental file cabinet and remember exactly, okay, what exactly got you into education? So I come from 
a family of educators. Um, and as I was mentioning to you earlier, with education, it, it can be a thankless job because you don't always get to see the fruits of your labor like right there as you're you know, sowing seeds. However, sometimes you do get to see those seeds later on as they blossomed and bloomed. So, um, but yeah, I was trying to avoid the field of education and Sharon was the one who gave me a position and that was the beginning of now 24, 25 years that I've been doing some field of education um, from early childhood to youth, devel uh, youth development campus, which is like a juvenile detention center here in Georgia, to now working with students with disabilities that have emotional behavior disorders. Wow. So, so Sharon, what, what was it that you saw in Shanee that you would uh, be her ear to kind of like say, education, this is where you should go? You know, it I didn't it was it didn't happen like that. It kind of I wanna say, and I don't know if I'm you know, that's a long time ago, Clinton, <laughs> but we actually met through another one of the authors who was a mutual friend of ours, and she was already working with me. And so I think Shani was, you know, looking for a job somewhere to, you know, to she needed to work. And I did you start at the summer camp? Yeah, I actually started at the summer camp with you, and it was through Mary Lacey. So that's right. how I did my internship there. That's right. And you brought me to the Montessori school. Okay. Wow. Yep. I forgot about that. I'm thinking thanks, St. Anthony's. I forgot all about I never made it to St. Anthony's. I went from Hoosier to, to Southwest Montessori. Okay. See, I've been so many places, I can't even remember. <laughs> so it really, I didn't really... I, I, I can't say that I really said anything to her. I think it was just the invitation. I was used as an instrument. I invited her into the fold and, and said, hey, come do this thing with me. And she did. And, you know, we've been rocking and rolling ever since. So now let's get to this. Uh, I mean, when I first saw that Shani had, was part of a book, I put I looked at it and I was like, what? <laughs> because I know I know what the type of she's more of a behind the scenes type of person. Mm -hmm. She really she really puts the work, and she's been that way since we were kids. Um, so I'm like, she wrote a book. Like, how does something do with a book? Like, hold on, what's going on? <laughs> so now we go to in the trenches. I mean, the name in the to realize what you guys do. You guys are literally in the trenches as educators. Yes. So now, Sharon, what was the vision on? this book wow so it all started with a challenge from one of my mentors um he does a call every morning and we were on the call very early in, it was right after we had been put in, in on a shelter in place in atlanta so it's middle of march and he kept saying to us i challenge you with all this time that you've now been given you we can't leave the house, you know, a lot of us are not working, you know, we're not hanging out anymore. What are you going to do with all this extra time that you've been gifted? How are you going to use it? You know, are you going to come out of this thing with a new product? Are you going to um, um, supersize your business? Are you going to start a business? And he said it several days in a row. And finally, I kind of, I, I was sitting literally right in this chair 
And I took some time and I was like, okay, all right, I'm going to meditate on this for a minute. What am I going to do? And I've always wanted to write, um, you know, that fear factor. I was like, well, I don't have to do it alone. I could do a collaboration. But it was on the back burner. So it came to the forefront and I was like, oh, my God, I can do my book collab. It was like, well, who am I going to do it with? And it's like, well, you know, you, you're you in a field of early childhood. Do it with other people who are in the field with you. Yes, that's what I'll do. Okay, I'll call a bunch of people, see if they want to write a book. Well, what are we going to write about? And as I sat here, the only thing that I kept hearing were stories from the heart. Stories from the heart. So I was like, okay, because, you know, most of the time when educators write, they write technical books. So we're going to teach you how, you know, the 10 strategies uh, for perfect classroom management or, you know, how to get your parents um, to, to be more engaged. And so it wasn't one of the, it wasn't that though. I knew it wasn't going to be that. So when I called the publisher, who was actually the second publisher I called, the first publisher didn't work out. Um, and so I know it was divine. And when, when I told him my idea, I want to write a book now, and it's going to be a book with early childhood educators and he's like, well, well, what's it about? I said, I don't know. I said, all I know is it's stories from the heart. So he said, okay, stories from the heart. We'll go with that. Do you have anything else? I said, I don't I have nothing. <laughs> all I know is that it's supposed to, you know, happen. And he said, okay, he gave me a charge to think about what I wanted this book to do. Um, what was it going to mean to me? What did I want it to do for me and, and for others? And he told me the top, I had to write down the top five things. And that was on a Thursday afternoon. We talked again on Saturday. By Saturday, he had in the trenches. He said, I've got something for you. I said, what? He said, what do you think about in the trenches? And the minute he said it, I was like, that's it. That is it. And that's how the title um, became what it was. And it is, it is. And so one of my missions, one of the goals is to help 1,000 early childhood professionals become authors mm. because people don't hear our voices. They, they, they get our knowledge because we, we think as educators, we're writing all these technical books about subjects, about education. Um, and this time I am giving the opportunity and create have created a platform for early childhood educators and professionals, because everybody's not in the classroom, but they work with young children to tell the stories of the behind their work, how they got into the field, stories about some issues in it that they dealt with while being in the field. And they talk about their challenges and then talk about how they overcame them. And I'm telling you, I didn't read the book as it was being put together. As one of the authors, I said, I, I wanna be surprised and when John sent us the, um, when he sent us the draft, once again, sat in this chair. This chair, I don't know if I'm going to ever be able to get rid of this chair. <laughs> <laughs> the idea for the book happened in this chair. I wrote my chapters in this chair and I read the first draft of the book sitting in this chair and I couldn't stop. I read the whole book that night before I went to bed in one sitting, wow. sitting and it was amazing. Um, because it wasn't just my story. I got to read every, and we had, we had met several times over the process and we bonded and we had this little closeness, this little group that we had become and everybody's reaction 
to reading the book was that we were just off floor. We were amazed at what this thing, you know, John put this thing together and we created a book with just telling our stories. And so it, the journey has been amazing, Quentin. And I don't think I could have asked personally for a better group of authors to have written this first book with. How many, how many, how many authors actually collaborated with the book? There are nine of us all together in this first book. Wow. Yes. So everybody has a unique um, story and experiences to share. Um, Shanae, I know that you had said that um, you 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 wrote a couple chapters in the book. You want to okay. explain what you talked. You want to explain what you talked about. Okay, so each of us had that. Um, oh. Uh-oh. I think we I think we might have lost her, Sharon. Oh, it's, it's lagging a little bit, Shanae. Oh, oh no! <laughs> it happens. It happens. In time. <laughs> <laughs> she'll probably just have to, she'll probably have to log out, and log back in. But Sharon, am I split? Okay, wait. She was for a hot second. <laughs> yeah, you, you you were for a hot second, Shanae. You probably got to log out and log back in. You'll come right back in. There you go. There go. I don't know what happened. <laughs> you look. You know we talked about you talking on camera. You was about to talk, and it was like you know what? No, <laughs> not now. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, so, so explain your stuff that you were able to put in this book. Okay, so in my two chapters, I'm speaking on my journey on the field of education. Um, I come from a family of educators, so I was taught you don't go into education, which is why I majored in um, psychology in 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 college. So I was trying to avoid the field, but then at some point in time, when I realized this is just what my calling is, you know, and Sharon was part of that process in which every job that I kept trying to get in every other field was not coming to pass at all. Like I just, I kept, there was freezes. There was just every obstacle possible that was trying to, where I was trying to stay out of the field. However, I just finally had to say, okay, this is just my destiny. I am destined to be a teacher. And so I accepted that calling and said, okay, this is what I'll be doing. Um, so my chapter is dealing with me accepting my calling and then recognizing that, you know, you know, according to the Bible, that God has a plan for your life. And so accepting that he has a plan and allowing him to use you in the way that he can use you. That's right. So. You're, de- you're definitely correct because we'd we be planning all day long and it'd just be like, well, why it ain't working out? Right. It ain't meant, it's not meant to work out. Um, exactly. Right. My second chapter is kind of dealing with burnout because as a teacher and, and, you know, in all fields, not necessarily just just teaching, you know, at the time during the pandemic, I was in a position in a school system and it wasn't it was burning me out. I was I was totally burned out. Um, And so this coming along was during that time where I can kind of put on to paper. Point of being burned out. And so now I am in a totally different schools, totally different school setting. I'm still working with kids with behavior issues because I'm no longer in early childhood education, but I'm still in education. 
-hmm. And so here I am, I'm able to work with young men that are in the special education field um, that are in need of services. Okay. One of the things, Sharon, one of the, uh, in the last couple of years, I've had a lot of educators educating me on um, the uh, the uh, the leadership of education in our country and how having that woman as the secretary of education is not good and hasn't been good. I don't want to get into that, but to, to I don't want to get into that, like speaking too ill of her, but coming from a, a financial aspect, knowing you have to have things allocated towards funding, towards what you're trying to do. How is that one of, what, is that an obstacle when you're trying to teach? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and Shani is on the higher end, but I'm still down in the trenches with the birth to five community. And uh, it's across the board. Think about it. In our state, when our last governor, when the budget had to be cut, the first thing that was cut was education. Mm. When COVID hit and there needed to be some, some budget cuts, they cut the pre-K budget, the Georgia pre-K budget, which provides free universal pre-K for any four-year-old in the state of Georgia. As long as they turn four on or before September the 1st, it's a free school day program where four-year-olds can get a head start before coming into kindergarten and the budget was cut. And so education seems to always be the place where the cuts are made. Um, there's not enough funding because it, no school, no child should ever have a textbook that has missing pages. Never. Never. Education, education, educate. in my personal opinion, and I'm not an educator like you guys, and you guys might like what I'm about to say, Education should have a blank check, actually. You know, I agree. <laughs> you know, so so what? And when they complain, you know, they're they're just told. And 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 man, teachers are not like they're the challenges that teachers have in the classroom now are far greater than the challenges that our teachers have with us. Mm. You know, we might think that we knew some bad kids when we were in school. This is showing up now in two and three year old children. Wow! And so, and so there there are so many more different dynamics because of the moral fiber of our country or the lack thereof, should I say? Um, and so it's a lot. It's funding. You know, it's 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 um, lack of education. Our parents are younger and younger, and so they and they don't have that support system. When I was growing up. If you were a teen mom, you had you didn't you didn't move out of your house. You stayed at home. Mom and dad in the house helped or grandma, whoever else it was in that house, helped you raise that child. So you have a support system. Many of these young people now they don't have those support systems. And so if I'm at 16 and I'm not educated, how much can I do for my children? So yeah. it, 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 it's everything. Finances, what, our structure, societal. One of the things that um you know I, I I told you guys about personal experience was even even so far back in Sharon I definitely agree with what you just said is that a lot of kids back then were just considered oh you just bad I mean you'll be, you'll be all right and now because of mental health issues 
you know, like you said, you may see a kid and you might think they're just bad, but it might be something. It could be bipolar. Um, right. It could be they might be autistic. Um, and I don't want to. I'm just saying how like you have to be able to identify this stuff, and it may be a harder burden, y'all, because y'all more than just teachers. I'm quite sure with Shani uh, with your psychology background, like you right. got to be able to detect this stuff early. Yes. Yes. Definitely. Yeah, you definitely wear way more hats now. Um, you're a counselor. You, you know, a case manager, you're providing resources. Um, there's times where I've had to actually call around trying to find a place where um, my students, they needed a place to live. So, you know, I'm helping them to find that, you know, kind of resource, um, food, where we're linking them to, you know, resources to make sure that they have food in the house. And, you know, it went up even higher during COVID. During that time, you know, I had several parents, not several, but quite a few parents to kind of reach out with the lack of resources that they were, you know, had access to. Now that's that leads to the next question. Um, as educators, you guys are right now probably facing one of the biggest crises that we've ever seen. Um, do you teach them virtually, or do you homeschool? Um, then you, depending on what state, what area you're in, you have the politics that's in play, or whether they taking COVID serious or not, or mm -hmm. whether it's a major outbreak. I mean, and besides that, you guys got your own families that you have to worry about. How is that challenging? And now we're going into, you guys started school already down there? Yeah. We have. Okay. So tell me how is that uh, whole scenario playing out? Well, um, I'll speak for me. Like, okay, so um, I'm working in a middle school setting. So we are virtual. Um, there are some of the districts that are virtual in which they have the teachers actually in the school building every day um, coming in to work from the building. Um, I'm blessed that I have a school district that is allowing us to work from home. So I'm able to you know, work from home and do the virtual, but it has been a struggle with trying to get devices, making sure that the students have um, devices mm. to be able to access the, uh, the lessons, knowing how to use it, because a lot of them are not tech savvy. Their families are not tech savvy. Um, so trying to get them, you know, just to log on or how to log on, where to click, how often they need to click, you know, those kinds of things. Then you add the fact that, um, again, I work with kids with behavior disorders, so they don't want to go to school, period. <laughs> they don't want to be face to face. They don't want to be virtual. So you're like, okay. Baby, I need you to come in. You know, I need you to come on. I need you to log on. I have kids who will click on and, you know, they're on for about five minutes and then want to, oh, I'm having internet connections. How do I know if that's actually the case or they just really didn't feel like being bothered with school? So, you know, it, it's, it's a struggle. But then flip side of is you put yourself and the kids at, you know, risk of being in the building when the numbers are still high. Know, here in Georgia, we're still a hot state. You know, mm -hmm. on the news lately, I keep hearing how the numbers are declining. But when I'm looking at the, you know, the statistics on the county, I'm not seeing what they're seeing on this, you know, the statistics that I'm mm -hmm. looking at. So I'm going, what are they talking about? The numbers are rapidly declining because that's not what the statistics are saying on the county report. A, so a, lot, a lot of mixed messages with that. 
<laughs> they're confused. As we've been, as we've been getting the whole time, a lot of mixed messages. And as I said, I don't, I am still at the, the preschools. I'm still birth to five. And it has had a huge impact on that community because childcare centers closed. And as they reopen, there are so many more guidelines that they have to follow um, in order to be open. And, you know, we're taking temperatures and children are having to wear masks. And uh, of course we were already washing hands, but now it's even more intentional. Parents are not allowed in the building. Um, and so there are just a lot of, of parameters and, and, and some programs have opted not to open yet. Some programs are open. Those that are open, their enrollment is low and they, the recommendation is that they don't have more than 10 to 20 people in, in, that, in that space, in that classroom. Or, or in, you know, and so people are open, but their classroom sizes are, are half. And so financially, the impact that it is having um, and so the state has been putting some things into place to support. They've had uh, several grants. Um, they now have for licensed childcare programs who do after school, they are allowing, they have a grant now that will pay parents tuition if they're eligible for their child to come to the program and do virtual school at the program so the parent can still go to work because that's another impact. You know, there are still people whose jobs are open and they have to go to work, but their children are at home. What am I? What do I do with that? You know, and 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 who's willing? How many people out there are for hire who are willing to come into the home to stay with my children while I'm gone? And then, you know, I don't know what their habits are, so they could be bringing illness into my home. Yeah. Um. You know, and then what are they going to charge me? Because see, I had I had grant money, I had scholarship money when my children were in school, in, in daycare, and in after school programs that the state was subsidizing. But if my programs aren't open, the after school programs that are located in the schools they're closed. Well, so these children have not only lost the school, they've lost their after school program where they used to get to socialize and get. Uh, a lot of after schools would do tutorial and enrichment. So the children, the impact that this is having on the children, it, it's, there's so many, they're just, Quentin, there's so many factors. Like every time I have a conversation, something else comes up and I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't think about that. So well, one, of the, one, of the, one of the things that Shania brought up that, that mm -hmm. I'm going to blow you guys away with this, it may seem foreign to us, because we're in big cities and we're from big cities, is that half of the United States of America don't have Wi-Fi. And I know that from the field that I work in. And it's, and when I was told that, I'm like, no way. But half of, so that's half of the country alone. Um, and I know Sharon dealing with those type of kids in that age, I just heard about foot, hand, and mouth disease. I was like, what's that? Last year, so I can only imagine with that disease and with the COVID, it's like, and this is what kids are known for. Kids are known for getting sick and getting, getting pink eyed, you know. So now it's like you're not just getting sick with pink eye; 
you might have COVID. So everything is like being taken very serious. I mean, you know, what you guys do, like like Shanice said, you guys will never be rewarded financially. Right. Um, but I but I thank you guys for what you do. Even though I'm not in school, I don't have a child in school, but I, I appreciate you guys for uh, everything you do. Now, Sharon, you were saying, and I couldn't put it up for some reason. I think I've tried to save it. Um, How can I purchase the book? Oh my goodness. Okay, so it's a long website. However, if you go to Shopify.com and just Google it, it may show up. But the actual site that will take you directly to the book, here's our copy of the book, um, is in, I guess I should do the hyphens, huh? In dash, well, in the trenches book collaboration with a dash in between every word, dot myshopify.com. And, um, what we are doing just for you and your listeners uh, throughout, I, I think we'll do it throughout Labor Day weekend. So until 11.59 p.m. Monday night, um, your listeners will get a discount on the book. And so if they put in the code, let's talk, all caps, no apostrophes, let's talk, um, they will get $5 off the book. And so they can buy the book for $20, $19.99 instead of $24.99. And so that's all through the through the weekend um, that we're going to have that that sale okay. going for your listeners. Great. Appreciate appreciate that. Now you you did try to sneak something in there, Sharon. What? You didn't think I caught it. What? It's a book two coming out. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We I uh, we just had our um Second, yes, we no, our first. We just had our first meeting. Um, I think it was our first. Anyway, Wednesday. And I have another group. There are, we thought there were only seven of us, but I had somebody slide up under uh, the timeline on yesterday. So we, this book will have eight authors and it's the same format. But again, because it, and two of the authors are actually returning from the from the first book in addition to myself. And so what the again the cool thing about this is we have so many stories to tell. This book is going to be totally different than the first one. Even though there are repeat authors, we're going to have brand new stories. And so this the second book is due to come out November 15th. And so we'll let we'll, we'll keep you posted Quentin because at some point we'll be doing uh pre-orders and and that kind of thing, uh having some advertisements um and so yeah, I'm excited. I just, I, you know, again, I've got a thousand authors, so there are going to be a lot of books coming out over the next 10 years or so. <laughs> but, but before before we close the show and, um, you know, before I ask you guys, you got any final words, I want to I want to just close the show with um, what could we do? What could the non-educators do to help you guys? Wow. I would say volunteer. Um, all schools, be it a daycare, be it a public school, they are in need of some type of volunteer um, mentors, someone that's, you know, filling out envelopes or, or packaging envelopes. Just volunteer. Get in there. Uh, use your resources. If you have a job where they're offering uh, monies, suggest that, you know, your local school. 
you know, sitting there taking and finding a young person that you know that might need to have someone that could kind of mentor them. Stepping up and be that mentor. You know, it takes a village. Yeah, yeah. And that's, I'm getting ready to volunteer because I heard a story from one of our authors about her program and it broke my heart. A fourth grader um, is having trouble reading and um, this fourth grader gets frustrated and cries almost every day through school because he's struggling. He can't keep up. And so I'm like, oh my God, I got to do something. And so it's like Shawnee said, I think um, volunteering, calling around to your local schools to talk to principals and say, what can I do? Um, in the childcare arena, it's not a matter of being able to come into the program, but there are other things. You know, um, there may be supplies that they need, um, but they do also have school agers. And so maybe there's something you know, sponsor, you know, I don't know, something special for them that they can have so that they can have some sense of feeling of normalcy because that's really what's the big piece that's missing. Um, they don't have that social aspect. So I think reaching out to find out what your community needs are, because it's really about, you don't have to reach across the country. It's really just about if each of us starts to find out what it, what the needs are in our community because the needs are going to be different based okay. on the community but Good. every community has some needs right now definitely well I, I asked a question i don't know if you guys any have any more final thoughts with that i mean I, you know i did want to ask the question <laughs> <laughs> um any 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 final thoughts uh going forward that uh i didn't ask and you guys want to add um i just want to add one thing is that for everyone to find what their plan is for their life and, and just living for it. Um, during the COVID uh, pandemic, I knew that I wanted to kind of accomplish certain things. And so I've always wanted to write a book, never thought and imagined doing it, uh, but an opportunity was put before me and I took advantage of it. And so with that being said, I was able to, during the pandemic, something off my list of one of the goals that I have for my life. So just finding a plan, finding out what your purpose is in life and, and living up to it. And, and don't allow anything to be an obstacle to stand in the way. Um, I it's, it's funny because I went to the introduction in the book, Shani. And um, in the introduction, I talk about the fact that um, I ask if you've ever had a dream and, and you just haven't been able to reach it. And most of the time we don't because we don't take action. And so one one of the things that I put that that's my signature, that's my my little coined phrase for my signature is if you put some action behind your desires. Then just watch, because that's all I did. I had these this desire to do this collaboration and I made a phone call and, and the, the person on the other end bought in to my vision and, and helped me achieve that vision along with eight other individuals and, um, and, and actually expanded my vision. Cause you know, I didn't have a plan to help other people become an author. I had a plan to write a book. <laughs> and now, um, and he, 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 my, the, um, my publisher so wonderfully uh, put at the bottom a Sharon D. Hudgens collaboration because it is, that's what it is. And, and it's not the only one. Like I said, there are lots, 
lots more coming along. And so we'll keep you posted because we've got something special coming next year for Mother's Day and Father's Day. So we're gonna be looking for a bunch of male educators who want to be authors. So yeah, yeah, we uh we we we're gonna address that soon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um and actually in the in the Facebook group, we actually the, the two the two groups that have the most professionals in the group are authors and educators. It's a lot of teachers in the group and it's a lot of authors in the group. Um, I have a, a an addiction to reading myself. I, I'm an avid reader. I love to read. I read anything, any information I read. I think it might go back to them book clubs we used to have in school, yeah. Shani. I, 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 even, even though I used to be like, I don't want to mess with these books. You got to sell these books, little dollar things. And, <laughs> Oh my goodness! Don't get me started with that. Felt like torture back then. But but anyway, ladies, I, I appreciate you guys for joining joining this afternoon. And um, I'll just say that I just had a front row seat of being educated, and I appreciate you guys a lot. And uh, stay on the line before we close out, okay? All right. Thank you All right. for having thank us. You. Yes, thank you for Welcome. having us. That's it. Thank you, everybody that joined us on Facebook as well as YouTube. Thank you. Have a blessed day.